in our fast paced world of that energy of structure and this is exactly how to do it and linear thinking, there's not a lot of time or permission to slow down and feel and to process. And it doesn't have to always be with words. A lot of times the processing can be by behavior changes and releasing things. And that's a choice to consciously live different rather than holding it all in. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski, and thank you for coming back to listen. I really do appreciate it. And um, today I have a guest with me, Amy Guerrero, um, and I'm so excited to get into a conversation with her. Um, She is a trauma-informed recovery coach, conscious, sober person, and founder of Thrive in Recovery. Um, She works with people to deal with trauma and just help to create healthy boundaries with in relationships with themselves, with people, just all those things that, you know, need to happen or it's important to happen for things to change as we change, if we, if you will, like as we go through recovery or change, or, you know, again, consciously decide to perhaps live differently than we've been living before. There's different ways that, again, we not only show up for ourselves, but show up for others. And um, so I'm excited to just dive into this conversation and you'll see a little in a little bit just why it's so important today for me. And um, I really believe it's important for all of you listeners, um, be it that you're a, a parent or even the, that someone ha- who is recovering from some type of addiction recovering from life, if you will. So anyway, thank you, Amy, for um, for joining me today. I'm really thrilled to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so great to see your face. Yeah. And I just was very, um, you said something that I have been saying for a really long time where I, went, I made a choice to consciously live different. And I think that that, you know, that really sums up recovery of all types. And mm-hmm. so thank you for that language. Cause I'll probably use it on Instagram today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, and- you know, one of my arguments in life is that like, reco- we're all recovering from something. Mm-hmm. We are all recovering from something. And, um, in our fast paced, masculine centered, not masculine men, but just like the, the world of that energy of structure. And this is exactly how to do it. And linear thinking, there's not a lot of time to, or, permission to slow down and feel and to process. And it doesn't have to always be with words. A lot of times the processing can be by behavior changes and releasing things. And that's a choice to consciously live different rather than holding Mm -hmm. it all in. And Mm -hmm. ah, Yeah. yeah. Amen to that. I mean, and that's what I have really realized you know, for myself, but also through the almost two years of recording and speaking with others is that we're all, you know, we're all recovering from something, but many of us are choosing to live differently, be it that we're, again, choosing to not use 
maladaptive behaviors that are covering up our pain or things like that, that lead to, you know, that could, you know, if we continue that way, it could lead to death and, and harm to ourselves and, and those around us. But it's also like what I've learned in this process of loving my daughter through her through her eating disorder and her OCD is that I needed to show up differently. I needed to take care of myself. I needed to put myself first. And it was, you know, after 50 some years of living a certain way, it was uncomfortable. It was difficult at times. Like, how am I supposed to do that? How do I put myself first? So again, you don't have to be, I always say, you don't have to be recovering from something that has like this real specific diagnosis. It's like we're saying, it can be just, we're going to choose to do things differently. But then as a result, you know, we don't live in this bubble of just ourselves. There's others around us. There's work environment and family environment and friends. And so how do we consciously show up there, but in a kind way? Because I know as I've continued to find my voice in a different way over the last many years, it's it's tough. Like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to say that. So it doesn't always come out, you know, um, but anyway, we're going to get into that for sure. So um, really cool, cool stuff. And um, but I love to have people start my guests to just start to tell their story, like how they got to where they're at today. And so if you could just start with that to share us, you know, your background and um, what you did go through and as a result, then why um, you're making the choices and how you're helping people today. Ah, for sure. Okay. So I will give a very like short story, but I'll start with childhood. My mom decided that she wasn't going to be able to support me to grow up. And so she decided to leave the relationship. Right. So right pretty soon after birth and then was in and out. And I, she had already had these feelings when she was pregnant with me. So many of my my adaptive behaviors started in utero. And then in the first, just even infancy of my life where I was consistently constipated, very hard to soothe. didn't have my mother's breast. My grandmother was raising me. My dad was a fireman. So 24 on 48 off. It was just a very disorganized time for the adults in my life, but especially for my little nervous system as a child. So everything started there. And from that, you know, what would be, we would call an abandonment wound. My nervous system really just did not know how to regulate on its own. And then in the seventies, there wasn't a lot of tools around how to regulate your children in a, in a trauma informed (laughs) way. And so um, I started creating all kinds of different patterns and behaviors to, to adapt to all of the situations And that just in itself caused a lot of trauma in my little body. And um, it required enemas and being held down and just a lot of confusion and no one really explaining things to me. And I was already kind of very, not kind of, I was already very aware because hyper, hyper, like somebody please take care of me was already going on in my, um, in my nervous system. So when I found words and all of that stuff, it was um, it was just really difficult for me to relate to the world um, because I didn't really know how to soothe myself, right? And so then I create a, a very intelligent, like fast learner, all the things. So I create all of these coping mechanisms to put a shield between me and the world. I I used, I mean, I was my body was sick a lot when I was little, 
And these are all just, I just want to say this to everyone because these are all signs already that like behaviors in once you are older, like they're going to be caused by the first zero through 12 years and especially zero through like four of your life. And so, (laughs) um, I was, I mean, a genius at adapting, like can chameleon into anything just to get the love, the attention, all of those things. And then when I found alcohol, like in middle school, I definitely took to that right away. Um, it worked and I didn't really think much of it. I grew up in Texas. It was like, everyone was doing it. And so I was high succeeder. I started my first business in high school. I was the first person to go to college in my family. I was already like, I am doing things. I'm choosing differently. I'm choosing differently. I'm choosing differently. And throughout my life, my birth mom would kind of come in and out. Very confusing, very traumatizing, just not good for me. And um, and I really had a lot of victim um, thoughts and mentality Um, for a long time. And thank goodness consciousness has shown me that like, I actually have so much more power than that. And I'm not a victim to her choice at all. So, I mean, I went on with my life. I drank and did drugs and partied and did all the whole thing. Um, But I was very successful, really successful. I had a lot of incidents with, you know, just blacking out or, you know, I was in high paying jobs and had all these things often was um, a contractor so I started because I was an entrepreneur my whole life. And so I just designed a life where I could do, I could live like that. It would and work. around 35. Yeah, I worked really hard. I made a lot of money. I lived in San Francisco. I had a very glamorous life. It was super fun. Yeah, did all the things for sure. Um, and no regrets. But around 35, I started to have this like early midlife kind of like, I want to go into my 40s and choose differently. And I think that in order to do that, I need to like heal my trauma. So I'd walk around saying things that no one (laughs) talked about. My friend groups were just like, what? But I was like, I'm going to heal all my trauma before I turn 40. And I'm going to ride into my 40s like so powerful. So that investigation and curiosity led me to find my birth mom. And it also led me to become chemically dependent on alcohol. And for this really like powerful person that I thought I was when I became chemically dependent, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, this is real. Like I cannot not have a drink or I shake and all the things. So that two years of being chemically dependent and not being able to do anything about it other than choose abstinence was the roughest two years of my life. Um, I tried to kill myself several times because I didn't understand how I was going to live consciously in the models of recovery in substance misuse that existed. They felt shame. They brought up a lot of shame. They brought up a lot of um, trauma. Um, They just brought up all of my original wounds. And I was just like, ah, so I really liked the steps because I felt like there was a real depth to them that I could explore, but I didn't necessarily agree with the patterns and behaviors of the rooms. Those are a rough couple of years, but early on in that part of my recovery, I, um, in my first treatment center and I went to like eight or something, um, six to eight. I can't really remember. It was very blurry a couple of years, mm-hmm. but 
I started writing the methodologies that I call Regrooven, soon to be trademarked, that really supported me to understand that this was going to be a, a full organism. Like I needed to look at the organism of Amy, my environment, my family, intergenerational trauma, all of the things. I needed to include movement, gut health. And this was way before all of these things were being talked about. In, and I was in Northern California. So, you know, I had a beautiful opportunity to be around like the thought leaders in this space. But really when it comes down to it, they're like, we'll, we'll help you this far, but then you got to go to meetings. And that just was like, ah, oh, there has to be some different way. And now in 2022, there are so many different ways and there are so many different communities and ways to recover. But I started writing all of those methodologies, putting them in place for myself. And when I stayed stopped, three months later, I started my business of practitioner in the space of supporting people, specifically at that time in 2017, of integrating after they left treatment. Mm -hmm. And so that's how my business started. I would go into people's homes and support them to like, okay, you're, you're back. This is where all the things happened. And how do we learn how to grocery shop? How do we learn how to eat? How do we learn how to move? How do we learn how, what friends are, are people that you want to reconnect with? What friends you don't, how are we going to set boundaries? And so it was almost like the business of relating again, relating to your own body, relating to all of the memories that are going to start to come up because you're so clear and how to process those memories somatically rather than having to talk about them. So it was a really powerful year. And um, I decided that I needed to reach more people. I had a deep desire to reach more people. So I took my business online in um, early 2018. And then I've been doing this work online ever since. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, a day like today sitting here going, wow, thank you, God, that you're here because this is exactly what's, I mean, it's, it, this is exactly what's happening, or this is exactly what I need to, to talk about. And um, to have this connection, um, I'm grateful for, because perhaps we'll continue to to talk and you'll, you'll help our family because what's happening right now is our daughter, as I shared before we went live, our daughter's coming home next week. Um, she's been in a treatment facility for in and out this last year, for sure. And again, her, her um, eating disorder has been in existence, if you will, for at least six years. And so as she was um, getting, you know, looking forward to discharge, she um, thought about staying in Denver and she loves Denver and she may, she may go back to Denver. But part of that was the fact that she didn't want to come back here. And so that's why I think this is a, a lovely topic to talk about because she, I mean, we're in the same home, obviously things are different, but we're in the same home, the same environment, the same community. And when she's come back before, it, you know, at, at, has she stepped out of treatment? It hasn't supported her, if you will. I mean, she's done okay for a while, but then there's been relapse. And I think it's a lot due to this. I mean, it's again, so fascinating to me that we're talking about this today. The fact that it can be, yeah, like how, when you come back and you're clear or you're different, like how do you, how, how do you deal with that? And to not go back into, to slip back into those behaviors that you had before that helped you deal 
you know, with, with life, if you will, you know, and honestly, like how I see this conversation moving forward is asking me more questions like that. Cause like, I'm just like, I'm just, I just asked, you know, like I want to speak from the highest and most divine of what I know. And I feel very like led through your questions. So thank you for, and continue to ask questions as we go through this conversation. Cause this is my hoof where I know Mm -hmm. I'm just channeling the truth and let's just really sit with that because it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And there's a lot of energy. Let me just presence Mm -hmm. this, the nervous systems, right? So your daughter's nervous system, your nervous system, your husband's nervous system, your pet's nervous system. If you have a pet, you know, Mm -hmm. even your other, your other children, her siblings, they're all already feeling this energy, And the way that the body and the brain work is that when the energy comes, it will start looking for confirming evidence of the past rather than leaving this like open space, because that's scary when the nervous system's like, I'm going where I've never been before. It's like, oh no, no, no. Let's Mm. go back into our old patterns, behaviors, sequences. Let's play our roles as a family system. Let's do all of these things. And so unconsciously, there is so much going on that, that there aren't words for, but the most beautiful thing about it is we're creating words for it right now. Mm-hmm. And now there's this awareness that there's energy in your body that feels anxious or sad or angry or in despair or guilty or all of these different things. And so much of the work is understanding like, oh, it's so natural that we feel all of this. And how can we choose differently? Mm-hmm. But we, we can't choose differently from a dysregulated nervous system. Mm-mm. So, you know, triggers, when they happen, it sends the, the body back into the reptilian part of the brain in which it doesn't have any access to the smarter part of the brain to choose differently. Mm. And this is one of the biggest, like, most important things that I would teach in integration of like, whew, like this makes sense. But until you start to create that awareness with your body and learn to interrupt the old nervous system response, like take the deep breaths, go for a walk, pause, you know, and then all the self-care that it takes to have a body that can do this imperfectly. I really want to say this imperfectly, then our body will go on autonomic all day long and hence quote unquote relapse, right? Mm -hmm. Relapse of a family member who's, who's trying to choose differently as well, or relapse of an old behavior, behavior or pattern that is causing harm to everyone really you know, mm-hmm. but when the nervous system just can't take it anymore, it goes back into that old groove. And all it's saying is mm, they're wrong. They're wrong. Da, da, da. All the energy is like going up and up and up and up and up. And then bam, back to the behavior and family mm-hmm. back to the yelling and making someone wrong. And this is, this is the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, it, it's happened before and it's um, a big fear on our daughter's part and certainly on ours, you know, in that we just, we just want our daughter to 
be well and to be healthy and to be able to go on, you know, she deserves a life better than the, the life that she had before. And, you know, really what wait, we wait, can we pause? Can we pause in that for a moment? Yes, sure. Okay. So listen to what we're starting with. We're starting with fear mm-hmm. and we're starting with your deep desire for your daughter's life. This combination is it's great, right? It means well, but the nervous system starting with that fear and then this like overwhelming desire for her to have this better life, like that combination is going to get tricky Mm. because you cannot fix her and you're not, your job is not to fix her. And I know you know that, but the heroing, the rescuing of just even that, like, I'm scared I want her to have a different life. That's a lot of pressure on her. Mm-hmm. She can feel that frenetically. I can feel that frenetically from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like even just all of your postures towards me, I was like, whoa, mama. <laughs> yeah. Because she's going to come in and her deepest desire, because she is your, your, your blood, she came from your womb. Unconsciously, her deepest desire is going to be to make you feel more comfortable. And when our deepest desire is for that, then all the agency and sovereignty is getting taken away from everyone because we're not really owning. Like, for instance, I'll give you my, my, my story. If I was trying to make my parents comfortable, I wasn't owning my sovereignty, my agency to choose differently. I was doing it to make them happy to ease their nervous systems out of some kind of guilt or shame or remorse or obligation in a big Mexican family. They had lost years of their life because I was struggling. You know, they had invested lots of money that I had to pay them back, you know, like, because I was struggling, I felt bad. And I felt like it was my job to ease their nervous systems unconsciously, but it took my agency and my sovereignty away And therefore, I wasn't really being in my own choosing differently, right? And so, like, those subtle energetics really matter. And I love that you're smiling because something's, like, resonating in you. (laughs) Well, pretty much all of that is resonating. I mean, and what I'm thankful for is that we've had these conversations, my husband and I and her and some of her, you know, at times her siblings, but just these conversations of sometimes we've named it that codependency that, you know, that we're doing things. So, or we're saying like, well, what do you want me to say? Or what do you want me to do? There's so much of that conversation um, or it has been. And it's like, you know, we, we sometimes, I don't know how to respond to that except to say, it's not what I want. It's what you want. Right. But it's like that, There's, I think there's just so much, I know there's been so much, so many times that that's the way that our kids have showed up or I've showed up for, for someone, you know, I'm doing like, we do things so that, like you said, those other people are happy. And I mean, everything that you said is true. We've had these kind of like, that's what she, she's, you know, I mean, it's just, again, it's uncanny that it's just like, wow, yes, yes. And yes. And yeah, I'm, I am, I'm all of that stuff. I'm nervous. And it's like, I want her to be home and, um, we want her to, you know, but it's also, I have learned that, yeah, I can't, 
I can't make my kids happy. I can't help her. I mean, I can, I can help her. I can love her and things like that. And I'm working on doing things differently. We're all working on. And as I said, before we went live, I mean, it's, it's the same here, but it's also different because it's a few, you know, there, there, the siblings aren't here. And so there isn't that, as I would say, sometimes, you know, triggers or distractions or things like that. So I don't know. I think it's, well, let's talk about solution. Yeah. Let's talk about the solution. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I already know, like just from our first phone call while I was taking a bath, you were headed to Reiki. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you've got some self-care, right? Mm -hmm. You've got some self-care already in your life. And something that I want to remind everyone of that's listening is that like, in order for us to choose differently, it takes a lot of energy from the body brain organism, which is you, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So you know, it's, we will just, we will unconsciously go to into our patterns if we're not taking really good care of ourselves. So sleeping, eating, you know, resting, screaming into a pillow, punching pillows, like dancing, laughing, connecting, playing cards, um, going for walks, being in nature, you know, listening to podcasts together, right? Like all of this connection co-regulation is so important, but that self-regulation is also very important. Or when you get triggered, you will be off and running almost in a blackout of sorts of just all of your old patterns and behaviors. And so for the entire family system, having a routine that feels good to everyone that includes a lot of self-care is absolutely important. And, you know, for my family system, that wasn't something that they were going to get on board with. And so I just was like, I'd been in California the whole time anyway. So I was like, I'm not going anywhere near you until like I'm ready. And so then like what, six years into my recovery, I bought a house across the street from my parents. Like what? <laughs> like that, and I never thought that would happen. So good news, everyone. Like this, this is, this is really a good plan and path and there are solutions. Um, so first balancing your body so that you can make these decisions so that you can interrupt old patterns imperfectly. Secondly is like, especially because she's coming into the home is like having a weekly powwow where you really practice clear, concise communication and everyone stays in their lane on their side of the street in their hula hoop, whatever it is. And clear, concise, compassionate communication is only owning your, your sovereignty, your feelings, your everything. And everyone that's participating in the conversation to be in that ownership. And then you're practicing with the hardest people in the world to practice with, which is your family system. And the cool thing about this is you, that radiates out into all parts of your life. So often Um, you know, when I'm working with someone, I'll have them actually start practicing at their like job or something where there's like less on the table. But if someone's coming back and isn't working, and this is like the, the people that they're co-regulating with, then all right, then it, it is very important to create that consistency for the nervous system, for the safety of like, we are going to sit down and talk about all the uncomfortable things that we need to talk about in a really beautiful way in order to support that healthy integration. Because the nervous system is show, not tell. 
So that's why, you know, my approach is from the trauma perspective, we talk, of course, but it's not a cognitive change. Like we're showing the nervous system that it's safe, that it's different. And especially children, you know, we are constantly looking at what our parents do, not at what they tell us, mm-hmm. because right. there's a lot of incongruencies of what they told us and what they did. And, you know, and we do that with our partners, with our work relationships, with our bosses, with our lovers, you know, like we do that in all areas of our life. We're looking to see if we can trust them. And a lot of what you're rebuilding here is trust. Mm-hmm. And, you know, choosing to trust is a nervous system thing Mm -hmm. because you are choosing to make something that you value vulnerable to another person's actions and behaviors. And to do this is very like, Ooh, I don't know if I can really trust myself or trust you. Mm -hmm. And so when we're blocking that vulnerability, it's because there's not that safety. Mm -hmm. And so the name of the game is safety. Yeah. Well, and when you talk about self-care, I mean, I've talked about it many times on this podcast of, you know, taking care of ourselves and, but I kind of, I have the question, like, again, obviously I know when that it's important for me to do all those things, to go for the walk, to get the rest, to go dancing. I do um, some recreational dancing, if you will, ballroom dancing. I've started that. So I'm doing some of that and um, I love to go for walks and things like that. But then how do you, like, I got the sense that it was like, we do, we can each do that individually, but that we also need to do that together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so something, what does that yeah, look like or like, mean or things like that? Yeah. Sure. Well, I'm going to speak directly to your, to your situation because it's alive right now, but when, you know, you're coming back home into the family system, um, it will be easy to go back into old patterns and then she just self-isolate in her room and then you do your thing and you knock on the door and you're like, hey, are you going to come out and da, da, da. But what if you have planned fun activities that everyone likes to do and you put a you know, piece of paper and a magnet on the door and you write down all of the different things that you would like to do, whether it's playing like, you know, Monopoly or playing a card game or going for a walk together or going grocery shopping together, right? It's that it's that invitation to connect and co we call it co-regulate, which is a biological imperative for every human, which is connection with other humans um, that everyone likes to do. Mm-hmm. That is creating, a, I don't want to get too much into the science, but basically that's creating a flow state in the body that everyone is enjoying and connecting on. And so you're not just connecting on the triggers and the hard things. You're also connecting on just play. You're connecting on Friday night movies and you find a movie that you can all giggle about and talk about afterwards or um, game night. You know, it's just like there's hundreds of things. Mm. Yeah. I mean, again, it's so cool that we're talking about this, you know, during the pandemic, um, you know, we had two of the, two of our boys were home here living and working and, um, going, finishing school. So for a while, you know, we were shut down. Right. And, but then they all, you know, their jobs were shut down. My husband has owned a business. So do I. And so we continued to work, but then all of a sudden they went back to work too. So it was kind of like, you know, back to normal, but school work and all that, but all this crazy time. And I said, you know what, we're going to 
do fam, we're going to do um, Sunday night dinners. And I said, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'll make dinner for you or I'll tell you that I'm going out or whatever. And you're on your own, but Sunday nights, we have to be together. And it was from a suggestion of a friend of mine who did the same thing. And I thought that that was a cool thing. So I proposed that and they went along with it. And uh, we were supposed to, supposed to, it was suggested that we share our highs and lows of the week during Sunday night dinner. And so sometimes that happened. Sometimes it didn't. Sometimes there was resistance. Sometimes there wasn't. But um, it has become something that now you know, the beginning of December, all of a sudden, everybody's gone. I mean, our son moved out in June and um, one of them, and then the other one uh, went to boot camp at the beginning of December. So Sunday night dinners is my husband and I sitting around and, but Sunday night dinners was dinner, right? And talking about if we could talk about our highs and lows or having conversations, but then moving into something fun. We would play games and things like that, or we would carve pumpkins or we would make gingerbread houses or whatever. And it just, I don't know, it just, just gives me chills just talking about because it has, it was just one of those things like, I think I'll do this. I think it's a great idea. And it has become something, it became something that was so much fun. And there was that flow when there was that, like you said, you're inviting connection. It was that connection. Um, My, our youngest son uh, dates a girl, has been dating a girl who her family was fairly resistant um, just from their culture to have her over here. And so throughout the time, they trusted her more. And so she was able to stop by and then she was able to eat with us. And then like, and so she became part of Sunday night dinner. And I'm telling Mm. you, I look forward to Sunday night dinners so much and I miss them now, but we invited her over last Sunday because we're going to be going down in a couple of weeks to go to, um, you know, see our son graduate from boot camp. And I said, why don't you come over? We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll make some more plans and we'll have dinner and it was lovely. It was like, oh, this is great. And my husband would say that because um, sometimes he didn't participate in the games and things, which was fine, but he has a choice. But um, he said he would, you know, we'd have dinner and we clean up. And then he said, sometimes I'd go upstairs. He'd go upstairs and read. But he said, I'd hear the laughter downstairs. Not and, you know, enough. we were playing that game, you know, one time that you put that plastic thing in your mouth and you had to say, hey, hi, 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 hi. I mean, seriously, it's so funny. I love, yeah. I mean, I'll never forget that day. We were laughing so hard. And even she said to Tommy, she goes, I've never seen your mother laugh this hard. But it was so fun. But it's that connection. Yes. I love that. I love and that play. inviting the, then the play. And again, we're yeah, so. Play is so important. Uh, as adults, we take ourselves way too seriously. And it's right. like, you know, we, we, recovery is putting your curious hat on and playing mm-hmm. because, you know, like I, I sit here and listen to trauma all day long and like we have, you know, we titrate in and out, but like we have so much big laughter and fun and dancing and relating. And it's like, that's how we heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to show the nervous system, that's okay to go from like something so hard to putting this weird plastic thing in your mouth and trying to say, I love you. I mean, right. <laughs> it's, like, right. it's amazing. Right. And yeah. so I just love like, feel your energy now. Mm-hmm. Right. It's great. Yeah. It's yeah. lighter. And, so this yeah. is the energy, right. That you want to invite more into. This is the energy that you want to anchor into mm-hmm. with your daughter's homecoming. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah. and if you're anchored in it, you know how to get back to it because nothing changed. So I'm just going to show you some nervous system stuff. Nothing changed. We're still sitting here on our podcast and in front of our zooms and da, da, da. 
but your body went back there. Mm -hmm. Your body knew all of the flow states. Mm -hmm. Your your shoulders came down like two inches. A smile is just naturally on your face. There is no no creases in your face. You are just (laughs) purely in happiness and joy right now. You are light. And you didn't have to do anything but remember those events. And that is what we call anchoring into a flow state, Mm. a ventral state, but don't worry about that. And when we're (laughs) anchored, yeah, when we're anchored into that, then even when hard things happen, oh yeah, game night, right? And we can actually bring our nervous system into a more regulated place to access the smarter parts of our brain instead of going into that trigger trauma response. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's so beautiful because you just did the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's lovely. Thank you. Um, one thing that we, you know, that happened as we got to know Pauline better, my son's girlfriend is that again, because of their culture and their life and all that, I mean, she, we'd say, well, come on, let's carve pumpkins. She goes, oh, I've never carved a pumpkin. She's a teenager. I'm like, what? You know, oh, I've never done this, or I've, I've never had this, or I've never made cookies, or I've never gone to that. I mean, it was like, we were, our first thing was like, what? But then she wrote us a lovely, um, wrote us a lovely letter for Christmas, you know, to my husband and I, and gave us a couple of gifts. And it was in there. She said, thank you for um, I'll try not to get it. It was just so lovely, but she said th- something about thank you for, you know, introducing me or like having me do so many firsts. There were so many firsts that she did with Tommy and with our family. And it was really, I was like, wow, there's just, it was so cool. And it's kind of, and why well, I say that because there will be those memories for her, right? Like, oh, it was the first time I did this, the first time I did this. But also, like you said, there's memories for us from that that um, those Sunday night dinners, which will can, you know, which will continue. But I also love the fact that we'll go back there. And, um, um, and what just came up is that I remember when I first started to go through some um, therapy or counseling myself, when my daughter was first struggling, um, you know, when I, and I've recovered from an eating disorder myself. And so some of my friends would say, well, are you being triggered by this? I'm like, no, I'm not being triggered to go back to that stuff I did in college. But this therapist also said, yes, but you're being triggered emotionally. And there was so much pain. There was this pain that came up that just was, she said, well, that's what we, pain comes up. So because you need to work through that or deal with that or, or whatever. Absolutely. But, and that's the, that's the brilliance of the body. Mm-hmm. Your body will never forget that you purged or that you restricted or that you did all of the things that you did with food to feel in control or whatever it was that you were doing ever. It will never forget that. It will never forget your body will never forget when you stubbed your toe when you were five, right? It just won't ever forget that. And that's the brilliance of the body. And I love it because it was a cognitive process of emotional, but actually it wasn't. It was a feeling pain was coming up. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to be conscious of as we integrate pain is going it, to, it's called neuroception. So 80% of what we're responding to in life is not conscious. It's all just coming from somatic body, body experiences. 
So something will hit us in the gut and we, we're like, I have no idea what just happened, but we, we step over it. We move, we keep going. We just don't give it any space. And actually it wants to be noticed like, Ooh, how is something right. And then to be a little investigator of the, what the body's remembering and to remind the body, Oh, we're safe now. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You know? And I mean, I still do this 200 million times a day because I often get activated from my clients and I'll just put like a little tick on my whiteboard <laughs> to remind myself to come back and take care of that part of myself that was activated by a mm-hmm. sexual trauma or by whatever I hear. And it's kind of the same thing. It's just creating this consciousness of like your body remembers Moira, like it remembers what happened. And so whew, we can unconsciously three days later act out at our family members, our husbands, our loved ones, our, you know, and it's all activated from that trigger of pain that never mm-hmm. got to complete. And so we want to be in this awareness that all these nervous system responses want to complete. And it's so beautiful because you're taking a big, huge breath right now. And that's a completion of sorts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's that, um, again, what I learned in mindfulness-based stress reduction, you know, was that there is a value in noticing, right? And I've talked about this before. So we notice those things. We notice the pain. We notice that. And we and we say, yes, hello, pain or hello, whatever. But what I, I love what you said is to, well, and then you investigate, like, what does that mean? Like, what is this pain coming up? And, you know, if you're triggered by your husband or you're triggered by a coworker, or you're triggered by your dog or whatever, like, what does that mean? Like, let's start to investigate but just that lovely part of, and now I'm safe. Like, yes, this happened before, but I'm safe now. And, uh, you know, um, and, and something and I want to be really, thing. yeah, absolutely. And something I just want to interrupt in there too, is that we don't have to know what it means, noticing it, naming it and reminding ourselves we're safe is enough because if we start to investigate in what it means for too long, then that can send even more activation to the nervous system and send us down a like spiral of memories that might not be safe to explore without someone, you know, in your presence. Um, so sometimes people want to know what everything means. And I'm like, Oh, like I, I had some, <laughs> one of my clients last night who was very activated and she's like, you know, I'm very advanced. She's very advanced on her journey but we're getting into some deep stuff. And she was like, yelling, not yelling at me, but just really frustrated. Like, but I want to understand what it means. And I'm like, oh, honey, like th- that's going to make you more uncomfortable because that's going to activate the nervous system to try to figure it out and fix it. And it's like our, our actual work and integration is, oh, wow. I really feel like I got hit in the gut. I feel like I might cry. Hmm. I'm safe. I'm safe to cry. I'm safe to yell. I'm safe to get, go in the closet. <laughs> That's one of the things I like to do and just sit there, you know, take a bath, take a shower. Just I'm, I'm safe mm-hmm. to shift it. And I'm also safe to sit in it. And yeah. if you're not safe to sit in it, ask for support. Right. Right. Cause I, which is sometimes the hardest s- thing. Mm. It is. And they've heard that people have heard that on my podcast, but again, that was a big realization that I, didn't really know how to, you know, I wasn't really asking for help or support and I, I shifted it over to support. I like when I, when you can say, you know, ask for support as opposed to help, help was that 
thought in me like, oh, but I'm not capable and, you know, um, but support Mm -hmm. is awesome. And just when you said that, I thought about a friend that I'm going to see tonight, this afternoon, we're going to go up and, um, to, um, take a couple of dance lessons individually and then a group dance. And she's one of those people that she just, she's extremely intuitive and very gifted and, and a lovely friend of mine, but she will just bring things up, not in a night, you know, but I'll be talking and she'll just like remind me or she'll notice like, so what is, it seems like you're kind of this, or you're kind of like, but in a safe way, like bringing that. And so that's what I love about our relationship is that she helps Mm. me, you know, we can have that safe conversation and she'll call me out on things. I'll call her out on things, but it's like having that place to yummy good, you know, to have a good, great friendship. Great friendship. And it's one of those cool things that I've known her for a few years. And then we, we were going up to, um, because with some mutual friends and I'm watching the clock here, we got to wrap this up because I think we could talk for a long time, but um, yeah, it's good. Um, but we were going to retreat because of some mutual friends who had talked about this retreat. Um, we went, we were going to retreat up in Michigan and um, the four of us gals were going to go and um, which we did, but Vera and I were the two that drove together because of it just didn't work for those others too. And um And it like, all of a sudden we both said it on the way home. It's like, all of a sudden our relationship went, it just went to a different level and it bloomed and it was lovely. And again, I always loved Vera and she's like our spiritual gangster and she's just like so wonderful, but I wasn't really that, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have that type of relationship with her. Like all of a sudden now I do. And we're both like so grateful that we have that time together because we, it's lovely when you can have a friend that can be with you in there, no judgment, but just really open and like saying, like kind of reflecting what they're seeing when we're talking or, you know, and being there as a wonderful support. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, and again, like your nervous system can anchor into the beautiful connection that you and Vera have at any time, because it brings you so much regulation and, and just remembering those little moments, we call them glimmers, you know, just little, little times of like, oh, everything's okay. And we're not, you know, as a, as a human species, we're not going for great. We're going for okay. You know, mm-hmm. if we can, if we can maintain okay, like that's pretty awesome. If we can like create a way of life where things are okay, like it's okay when it's bad. It's okay when it's good, whatever that means, but we're okay. Right. Like mm-hmm. when, when I feel punched in the gut, I deeply know that I'm going to be okay. And that is how it recovery becomes a way of life. Mm -hmm. I just trust that. Right. Well, and I think that there's, um, in that space of eating disorders, addictions, and things like that, we try to be so much in control and we want everything to be we want everything to be okay, but it's a false sense of okayness, I think, in that it has to be perfect and it has to be. And if it's not, then we have to figure out how we can, you know, numb ourselves out to, or just make it so perfect or all of that. I mean, that's, but just this idea that it's, we find this okayness and sometimes it's happy. Sometimes it's sad. Sometimes it's joyful. Sometimes it's messy, neutral, like just messy. So messy. Yeah. Like sometimes my okayness means everything's a mess Mm -hmm. and I'm like, whatever, it's okay. 
right? Yeah. Like it just, it, I, yeah. And it's learning that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That so, I think would be a whole different podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think, like I said, I think there's other conversations to us to, for us to have and, and to share, but we'll wrap it up today for this. And just to, you know, I think, again, that's, what's coming up is that find this level of okayness, but realize that it doesn't, there's no perfection in that. And, um, the trauma response. Mm-hmm. Yeah which is intergenerational in our family systems and in our world. There's just no such thing as perfect. No, no. And we've talked about that. That causes so much relapse, (laughs) you know, like, ah, these systems. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm just grateful because I'm, I just, I feel more hopeful now at the end of our conversation, just um, because there are many things that have come up for, myself and for my husband and for the two of us together and with our daughter and, you know, all of that. And yet I'm excited for her to be here and for us to, you know, create, you know, as my husband said last night, you know, like just create something new with the three of us, you know, um, that hasn't been there before, if you will. And, um, just, uh, there's hope, there's hope. And, um, again, so grateful for this connection. I just, it's it's one of these days. It's like, wow, thank you again for universe, for bringing this all together. And, uh, um, I know I will continue to be in conversation with you. And again, I learned so much and I hope that again, the listeners, I'm sure that they did. There's so much of this that is happening. And that's what I want to do with this podcast. Not only, I mean, it's been very therapeutic for me the last two years, um, but also to provide that hope for others, um, that things can be different. There is a place of um, real joy and okayness in our lives. It is, it is there. Um, and, and yet it, a lot of times it requires us asking for support, finding that help that we need. And um, I don't know, just continuing to learn. There's so much, so much I could continue to say. It's just yeah. really great. But, <laughs> yeah, um, totally. Any last words that you'd like to finish the the, uh, I think we've done a great job. I mean, yeah. one thing that I um, deeply trust is that hope is a beautiful feeling. Mm-hmm. And so even if we just have a glimmer of hope to really oh, like this feels so good in my body right now. So if you're out there listening and you feel that glimmer of hope, my invitation to you would be to set a timer for 10 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever you can stand and just sit in that feeling of hope. Mm-hmm. of joy, of okayness that you feel right now and giving your nervous system that ability to expand into that. It's okay to feel this. It's okay to have hope because mm-hmm. so much of what we're fed is fear. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to hold hope. So I'm just, mm-hmm. this is perfect. Yeah. Um, before we forget, um, where can people find mm-hmm. you? Um, oh, I'll yeah. put it in the show notes for sure, but um if you could just let us know real quickly. Um, yeah, I'm very active on social media um, and I really um, channel best through videos. And so Instagram, Facebook is a great way to get to know me. Um, I have a YouTube channel, but I haven't connected with it in a while. And it's all thrive in recovery with Amy. So thrive, the word thrive in recovery with Amy. Um, and I'm going to be, um, mm, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm putting together a, like a foundation of liberation, freedom for everyone um, in this 
well, we're, it's already putting being put together, but it's it's basically a foundational course of everything that we've been talking about. Like, what is integration? What is agency sovereignty? What's your nervous system? Mm, yeah, basically relating in all ways of your life and feeling that mm-hmm. liberation, that freedom to be you. So that's really exciting. I'm excited to bring this and on a more global scale too. It's not just like mm-hmm. sober. It's for everyone. This mm-hmm. this course is for everyone. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I'm excited about that for you too. And for others, um, that's what I've learned through this journey is that it's not just, I was telling someone the other day, I was like, you know, when I started this podcast, I thought it would be very niche to the eating disorder community, which was fine. I mean, that's, that's our experience, but I've learned that it's really not, it's really more global. It can be the, the sober, the, um, I've interviewed people that drugs and all kinds of, all kinds of things, you know, and also a physician who got addicted to prescription medications. And, you know, I mean, it just, and she said she was recovering from life. Everybody's, you know, this is really a global, totally. yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. All kinds mm. of things. And, um, and so we can all learn from this and, um, I'm glad that we do again. I say to the listeners, thank you for coming back and listening because I'll get feedback from people that, that I was like, wow, you listen to my podcast. They said, yeah, I learned something from every episode that I listen to. And I don't have to be that particular person that you're interviewing or having that experience. And so that's what I, again, continue to say is to come back and listen, because just like I am learning from everyone I speak with, everyone can learn a little something from from these stories, from these um, conversations that we have. And um, as we continue to learn, I think we can, again, continue to just, I don't know, be in a better, better place. That's not the right be way in to an say okay it, Be in an okay world. Be in an yeah. okay world. Yeah. Be in an okay world. That's the way we'll finish it off. So thank awesome. you, Amy. I really appreciate thank it. You. And um, really, really, this great conversation and look forward to the next one. And again, listeners, thank you for, for listening. Please do share this with those that, that you feel need to hear it. And um, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.